passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, then load a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way take the mic. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. Hey, John. How's it going? I'm doing... What's that smile for? Nothing. I I almost uh, I had a screen issue, and I fixed it with like a, a quarter of a second to go. And I, uh, of course, time the beauty so of live TV. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Your your lips are moving. Your your visual I, I see. So that's always a good start. Hit the right button today. We're 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 always um, hanging on by a thread here. For these broadcasts, so that's how we do. That's Don't how we do. It. No, let's let's not jinx anything. We have a great week coming up. We will talk about our schedule a little later on, but we are gearing up for the Forbidden Poor. If you did not hear our announcement last week, Sunday, June the twenty fifth, we are going to be live at the Real Sports Bar in downtown Toronto. I know what you're saying. Wait a minute. That's the same night as Forbidden Door. You guys are scheduling an event the same day as Forbidden Door? Well, yes, we are going to be, as they say, a stone's throw from the Scotiabank Arena. You could literally throw a a stone from Mm -hmm. that arena and you would hit the real sports bar. It would be hard not to hit it. It is that close. And we will be opening the doors at 3 p.m. The pre-show will feature a live Q&A podcast wrestling themed drinks on hand from chef portman and then we're going to be hanging out with listeners then going over watching forbidden door and then it is the after party afterwards with davy Braden, myself waiting and the whole post wrestling community coming in so both events 30 dollars. get your tickets now at postwrestling.com slash live and we'll be throwing stones collectively that's one of the let's events. do that. Let's all get arrested throwing uh, rocks at the venue that is hosting us. Uh, we'll really, really dig down on the wrestling stereotype of being a bunch of idiots uh, coming out of Forbidden Door. Yeah. Thank you to everybody who's purchased a ticket so far. Um, we had some really great opening sales. You know, uh, I, we're approaching 70,000. So um, strong, strong so far. OK, we're just uh we're getting, are, 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 are there going to be any holds any uh the for the production kills and putting out any uh tickets you know once the uh the set is designed that we'll be putting out at the end we're working on the ramp right now we're um you know building up the the giant screens and everything and well you know stay tuned no comps no comps we're gonna uh come support post wrestling i'm looking forward mm-hmm. to this don't know what our show is going to consist of but that's uh listen we put these mics on we know what we're doing okay yeah, it'll be a really. great time. 
Mm-hmm. I want to know. I want to see these. I I really feel Davy should reveal the uh, the wrestling drink menu in advance. I think that would be a cool idea. I would anticipate that he would. I mean, the pressure's on him. I would. Oh, say. I know. I know. I'm going to put it on him. Yeah, he'll live Absolutely. up to it. He's he's ready for this. Yeah, definitely. Did you watch Succession on Sunday night? Yes, I did. Of course, only what three more episodes left? Three more. I heard the last episode. It's like a like ninety minutes or so. It's going to be yeah, a, like a blockbuster. Do you realize what night the finale is? Is it Night of Champions or no? It's not. It's, it's the crazy weekend where we've got Battleground, oh, Double or Nothing, and Shit. Double or Nothing the same night. Oh well, <laughs> sorry, John. You might be alone. You might be covering du- uh, Double or Nothing by yourself. No, I'm not watching Double or Nothing. <laughs> let's just do. Uh, let's <laughs> yeah, do Succession let's think, that night. I don't I care. Think about we're just going to cancel. We're taking that day off. Um, okay, well that's interesting. That's fine. I'll watch it after. I legitimately probably won't get to watch it till Tuesday or so. So yeah. uh, guaranteed, I'll know that like Logan. So somebody will spoil it for you, and that'll be. You, I know. You won't, yeah. you won't mind. It'll be okay. I'll find out who's uh Logan comes back to life. Um, swaps places with uh, Kendall. We'll find out. It was a dream the whole time. I said from the very beginning, Greg's going to come out on top of this whole thing. Okay, he's going to. I he's don't gonna... know. I don't think so. He's 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 a bit much of an asshole um in the show and then um you know i won't even maybe talk about some of the rumors with with him in real life either but um i've I've heard some of these but uh yeah anyway i i did think it was how much of this show can we talk about do do we do we just skip through this i I mean whatever like you here's a vague one what what did you think about the reveal of the indian numbers and the way that they learned about this like this is going to this could torpedo this deal and here yeah. is like I understand like the comms woman has her deal like with Matson like they have this but you're telling me they're just smoking outside and she's going to just so readily hand over this information knowing how it like it was just too convenient the way that this torpedo comes in the middle of the episode yeah that 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 was maybe um uncharacteristically sort of like um it's uh, too easy uh, just thrown in there yeah um they did set it up a bit with like you know the whole um sexual harassment and the sending of the blood bricks and everything to the point where she was really angry and you could tell that she she was looking for a way to get back at at manson um but yeah a little convenient i i I don't disagree don't piss her off at a tailgate party and don't piss off tom because that was one of the excellent one of the best scenes of the whole season for sure excellent maybe tom's finest uh performance both of them were great mm-hmm. in this scene outside yeah they're both always it. excellent yeah well there you have it uh for more do tune in to davy portman with the sesh yeah on the uh up next sorry the uh poison rana patreon i gotta you know it's only been like five months yes it's still getting used to the the, the rebranding and such all right that's enough uh succession talk we will move on uh we have some i'm I'm incredibly self-conscious like like even to this day of like you know talking about too much that's not like (laughs) what we're here to talk okay direct all your messages towards me because i don't care i'm just thinking about all the people that are just like i I, you know they either don't care about the show or they don't want to hear us talk about spoilers and then there are plenty of people who are i'm sure going to come back and say we want more we want more of you guys talking about this but i'm in my head i'm just like weighing all these different voices and i'm just like don't listen crazy. to any of them just listen to the one voice you need to me okay that's okay. that's the only voice right. you need to follow Sounds good. and everyone can uh can tweet at me because i typically don't ch- check my mentions 
Uh, unfortunate update regarding superstar Billy Graham. We've been detailing like he has been in hospital pretty much the, the entire year doing like rehab and in hospital. And his wife, Valerie, posted uh, the latest update and wrote that the doctors are continuing to try and prepare me for the worst. And I continue to explain to them that Wayne and I are people of faith and that our God has the final say. I am not in denial about what's happening to him or blind to what the medical reports say. I just know that the God I serve is greater than any infection and more powerful than any organ failure. Please pray specifically for his blood cultures to come back clear and for his blood pressure to stabilize. At this time, they are providing support to prevent his pressure from plummeting. And the fact that his cultures continue to be positive is one of the main reasons they are not very optimistic. They think he may have a heart infection, but the test that would confirm that is too dangerous for him. All things are possible with God and there is power when believers come into agreement together. Prayer is incredibly powerful and we need all of your prayers. With my whole heart, I give thanks to God for each of you and I'm grateful beyond words for you all. And uh, Graham, Wayne Coleman, has been dealing with all of these problems this year, mainly uh, kidney malfunction, congestive heart failure, and he has this infection that has left him completely deaf that has gone into his ears, his skull, and his sinus cavity and has lost, um, you know, as of a week or so ago, he had lost like 80 pounds. And there there have been some photos of him um, where, I mean, you just, even in his like older years, still having that that superstar Billy Graham look and has just lost so much weight. Um, this obviously doesn't, this sounds pretty dire that he has been going through and it's been months on end. Um, they do have a GoFundMe as well because, you know, on top of this, it's like there's no income coming in for Wayne Coleman or for his wife who is dealing with long COVID and can't work at the moment. So it's, it's bad on many, many levels. So I would suggest that if you do have uh, the, the ability um, to check out the link is in our update today, but you know, he is somebody that was a massive star that had <clears throat> so much influence on, on many uh, different individuals and was a guy that um, for his WWWF, championship run i mean one of one of the great draws in the history of of the northeast during that time that he had uh the, the title run like his percentage of madison square garden sellouts was um i believe it was like all but one that he sold out when he had that championship and it was one where they were riding this incredible wave of business with graham as the champion but when they made the decision to get the title on to billy graham and beating bruno san martino that happened in April of 77, he won the title. He knew the exact day he was losing that title. Like you will hold this until next February. And then you're losing it to Bob Backlund. And despite business being through the roof and Billy Graham wanting to continue this run, they had their heart set on transitioning to Backlund and Backlund was a very strong drawing champion as well. Uh, but that was a kind of a blow to Billy Graham. Like what more could I have done as champion drawing so well? And then, you know, in later years, he would have multiple health issues. He tried to do several comebacks and they really did not take, I mean, that was his peak uh, run in the WWWF and then had a massive falling out with the company and then they would uh, get back together in 2003. He would go into the Hall of Fame. Uh, but somebody that has been very, very vocal about the dangers of steroid use and steroid abuse that he front and center has um, attributed to so many of his problems that he has had going back decades um, that that he has uh, dealt with. Certainly, when you look at heavy steroid users, he was one of them. Uh, but when it comes to the price that he has paid for that, it's um, it's 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 a pretty daunting one. If you have read his book, and you know, not to 
necessarily tie this into to steroid use, but it's just uh, the totality of his health issues are more than any one person should have to go through that he has uh, lived uh, decades of battling. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine, you know, how difficult this must be for his wife um, to go through this right now. And um, we're and, and I don't getting... think can even visit him because of the, the, the COVID issue. Like, it sounds like she cannot even visit him in in the hospital. Like, it's, it's horrible on multiple levels for him and and for her as well. Yeah, and his entire family as well. So, um, you know, at, at this stage, what can you really um, look to except, you know, your your own personal faith? And it seems like that's that's what she's at least asking for at the moment is uh, if you if you do, you know, believe, um, pray. Uh, otherwise, you have, we have a link to the GoFundMe uh, set up right now and the update that John sent earlier this week today. There was a story over the weekend involving Tony Ferguson, a UFC lightweight, and he was arrested for a DUI after he allegedly rolled his vehicle into two parked uh, cars on uh, this was this was late Saturday, early Sunday in Hollywood, California. And he refused, according to TMZ, to take a sobriety test and was said to be very uncooperative. Now, thankfully, there were no injuries involved, uh, including to Ferguson, but he is facing a misdemeanor DUI and a suspension of his license for not taking the sobriety test. And it was outside of this club and the rapper Cash Gotti came out and found his Mercedes destroyed from this. So this was uh, one of the vehicles that he hit. And he's going to have to appear in court on June the 1st. Um, very scary story that could have had a much worse ending to it. Um, like, this is, you know, obviously a DUI, very significant. But then you're rolling your truck and hitting parked vehicles. Like, it's, it's actually remarkable there were, there were not any serious injuries. I mean, look at this thing that he rolled uh, in this. It's, uh, you know, a very, very scary situation. And hopefully he gets the, uh, the, the necessary help and... You know, he will have that court date coming up in a couple of weeks. Another um, incident from over the weekend. uh, This was a weird story that came from Chris Jericho, who had tweeted at the Mandalay Bay resorts in Las Vegas. He wrote, quote, hey, Mandalay Bay, it's unacceptable that you tried to bully me and assault me when all I wanted was my bags that I left at concierge. Your security staff ignored me for 30 minutes. And when I made some noise, physically and mentally assaulted me and laughed in my face. I want restitution now. So not only he tweeted this, he then pinned it at the top of his Twitter, which has now been deleted. And earlier today, I did reach out to the Mandalay Bay resorts for any kind of statement or for their side. This certainly feels like there's more to this story than just Chris Jericho's side. Uh, But I did not receive a response uh, as of yet for this. And for whatever it's worth, Jericho did take uh, the tweet down, but just sounds like it was a odd story that probably there's, there's more to it than that, but seems like some kind of incident that uh, hopefully that's, that's all there is uh, to it. Just an odd story. <laughs> WWE backlash over the weekend. They put out a press release. That, that means, you know, that uh, WWE, they were touting all of the successes of this show, uh, mentioning that the viewership year over year was up 28%. This also is with Peacock being in, having approximately 9 million more paid subscribers, but also noting the huge success when it came to merchandise, stating that the top two selling shirts were a Backlash shirt and the Puerto Rican themed 
LWO shirt. So actually identifying which items uh, sold the most. So obviously WWE going uh, going head to head with the WrestleNomics merchandise report by breaking it down item by item. I sure, yeah. What um, whose do you trust more? Uh, I'll always trust the the, the WrestleNomics one. I mean, we uh, get a lot more detail in those than the, just this. We just got the two items mentioned. They also said sponsorships up ninety eight percent year over year with their uh, partnerships with uh, Netflix's Fubar, uh, with Xfinity, mm-hmm. and Mike's Harder Lemonade uh, that they had. I would be interested. I wrote this in in the story on the site. I would be curious how much more they made for this event versus the one two years ago where they had that big promotion for army of the dead that led to the uh, well-remembered zombie lumberjack match. But that would have probably cost a significant amount to get that amount of uh, attention onto one particular, like they pretty much sponsored an entire wrestling match with extras involved. I would be curious what the amount was for that compared to this year's, for instance. Sure. Yeah. I would say I don't, I don't remember anything, you know, spectacular on last year's backlash show that would jump out versus, you know, your typical sponsors. Nor was there anything in this particular year that I think was as um, much of a turnoff as that sort of product in- integration was with the zombie match. So whatever they made this year, um, I, I congrats. Great. You did. You managed to do it in a way that didn't offend your audience, which is, you know, a, an improvement. Are you saying the the zombie lumberjack match and the search for the egg were were not great brand integrations for WWE pay-per-views? I mean, the closest we've gotten to it since is what? Cinnamon Toast Crunch high-fiving Rey Mysterio on his way to the ring? If that's the extent of, you know, integration, then I'm okay with it. Yeah, I mean... The the KSI one seemed to be one that was was readily applauded. Like people really mm-hmm. got a kick out of that one. If like it's, it's done creatively, then sure, why not? I think wrestling fans, I think, actually have quite the stomach for this type of stuff. That it's mm-hmm. not a, like you look at traditional sports where it is, you know, you, you have like the history of these sports leagues, and it's like the sanctity of putting a logo onto a jersey, and you have much more resistance than. A wrestling audience that I think as long as you're not insulting, I think it's a very... How much resistance is there, has there really been? I mean, I, I don't really follow that much sports, but I see far more logos, you know, when I'm watching the NBA or, you know, Major League Baseball than I do on a professional wrestling show. Well, I mean, there, there's been a lot of discussion about it. Primarily, I'm thinking about like the NHL, where it's like you're taking, you know, some of the original six jerseys and you're, you're going to desecrate them with, with, with logos and, and such. And there's always kind of that that push and pull. But you you can see, like, certainly none of these leagues are above... Uh, plastering their screen and having mm-hmm. digital boards like you see now uh, for, for these NHL games and such that, I mean, th- this is just where in many ways, WWE is simply catching up to the rest at this yep. point. WWE has actually, as we've mentioned, like they, they have shown much more resistance than a, a lot of other places. Surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Sure. Over the weekend, we had the uh, the finals of the champion carnival, and Shotaro Shino won the the tournament, beating T Hawk. And I get I did get to see the final two matches of the show on Sunday, and Shino won after twenty four minutes and forty five seconds. Um, they, they had a, a very good match together. Uh, the highlights being uh, T Hawk hitting the, the night ride that clinched his way into the final, and Ashino uh, surviving that, kicking out and getting the ankle lock. And Ashino is holding on despite eating all these uh, up kicks. And then he just scissors the leg, holds on, and T Hawk is just screaming and screaming before he has to tap out at 24 minutes and 45 seconds. And Ashino, I mean, w- with all due respect to the Andre the Giant. Uh, trophy dude he lifts this thing up and this thing looks like it weighs like 25 pounds as he's trying to hoist it 
I'm just imagining this guy having to shuttle this thing to all of the venues until he challenges Yuji Nagata. But they had Nagata on commentary and getting his reaction. So that match will happen uh, imminently uh, for uh, the Triple Crown. And I was somewhat surprised that it was T-Hawk going to the final with Ishino. But this felt like a very fresh version of the Champion Carnival and all about creating Ishino. Uh, This guy is 33 years of age and sort of cutting through like the usual Kento Miyahara or a Shuji Ishikawa or a Suwama that seemed like a tournament very much designed to get some, some new blood in there. And you're kind of seeing this across all of the, uh, a lot of the major brands, especially with new Japan this year. Um, but the uh, second, the secondary match on the show included a, a rare all Japan appearance by Tetsuya Naito teaming with Bushi against Kento Miyahara and Yuma Anzai, who is one of their kind of a, young stars who is 23 years of age and you would think like on paper here okay anzai is here to just eat the fall and that was ultimately his uh result in this match but man they made so much of this match for yuma anzai like even more than miyahara they gave you enough of naito miyahara that you got to see the interaction of those two that i think a lot of people would have wanted to see and miyahara he drop kicks Naito's knee and then he just spits on this guy. Just total disrespect for the New Japan uh, import. And as they are, uh, there's a flying knee by Anzai onto both Naito and Bushi. And they just gave him so much. He hit this flying knee on Naito and got a near fall on Naito that this audience was behind. And then a bridging German, which Bushi has to run in to save. And then Bushi takes out Miyahara with a suicide dive as Naito hits the Destino and pins Anzai in 17 minutes and 13 seconds. But if you want to watch like uh, Naito, just go in and really try to make a guy in Anzai like this. They gave him quite a bit in in this tag match before uh, Naito got the win. So I, I, again, I only saw the last two matches, but both very, very enjoyable. And this would have been about the last hour of the show at Oda Ward over the weekend for all Japan pro wrestling. So that was uh, the champion carnival smackdown on Friday. They fell to their lowest viewership since last August, 2,059,000 viewers and a 0.52 in the 18 to 49 demographic. So they're coming off the draft episode, which was very strong the week before. So down 16 and a half percent in viewers, 22% in the demo. So lowest viewership since August 26th, lowest 18 to 49 number since December 16th. However, they were still number one among networks and fifth for the night behind, uh, all of the NBA coverage and uh, sports center following the NBA. And it was a very big uh, game between the Celtics and 76ers that did over 5 million viewers and a 1.65 on ESPN, as well as a Carolina hurricanes, New Jersey devils game. So I I would say the main culprit would be the NBA playoffs. This was a very big game that they aired against. I would say though, that just given, um, maybe a little lower than you would have expected, even with uh, that, that drop, but it was uh, a pretty significant one. Um, And maybe you just chalk all that up to the NBA, but it will be telling this Friday to see uh, what impact Roman Reigns coming back has this tournament. And if it is something that can offset some of the competition, especially as the NBA is, uh, is heating up uh, to a big degree, but uh, 
you know, for throughout the, the Thunderdome era where way where we talked about how atmosphere is so key for these shows, uh, man, you couldn't have asked for a better atmosphere for the show on Friday. But um, perhaps do you look at this as just this is the time of the year where it's it's going to be hurt significantly or is is there anything more to it? Probably just the competition, John, you know, um, atmosphere isn't necessarily something that was, I think, promoted nor um, made, you know, a drawing point of uh, this particular show the week prior. I mean, those of us who know that it's going to be in Puerto Rico and expect a different crowd, that might make a difference. But for the general audience, I think they're if you're going to watch basketball, you're going to watch basketball. Should they have promoted the drone? You know what? That might have been the, the big difference maker. Didn't get it tonight. No drone tonight. No, we're mm-hmm. back to the U.S., back to normal. And no uh, big difference maker was the firm deletion. Rampage aired at 6.30 p.m. this past Friday. So back-to-back weeks, they aired Friday at 6.30. So we can make a meaningful comparison. And the comparison was 294,000 viewers down 1% from the week before and an identical number in the demo. They were 25th on cable. And because they aired at 6.30, they were third in their time slot and they avoided all of the playoffs. And it was interesting when you look at the demo, it's it was identical to the week before. However, there was a big increase from the week before in men and a big drop among women. So um, the firm deletion, it it caters itself to one gender over the other is maybe especially with younger viewers, because older viewers were actually um, like 35 to 49 was was up this week. Uh, 18 to 34 was down 29%. And if you are keeping your schedule up to date for rampage this weekend, they are on Saturday night at 10 and the following Friday back to 6 30 PM on May 19th. And the week after that, uh, the schedule isn't out, but that was, that's the Friday going into double or nothing. And if you remember, they were going to do a live show that night in Las Vegas and then moved to just the Wednesday uh, because of, uh, you know, uh, scheduling issues. So I'm sure that Friday going into double or nothing is going to be impacted as well. So uh, Rampage is just going to continue to bounce around uh, throughout May and maybe into June as well, as long as these NHL playoffs are ongoing. And this is the game of just trying to figure out when Rampage is on every week. Hmm. Um, well. <laughs> 200 300,000 people managed to find it or stumble upon it um at least so sure whatever it continues to really drop down in terms of a uh, priority for me um and i don't see that changing NXT on Tuesday night, we have Gallus against the Dyad for the NXT tag titles. Braun Breaker is going to destroy Trick Williams. Ilya Dragunov takes on Dijak. Nathan Fraser's hard-hitting home truths will continue. This is his uh, John Oliver parody uh, that he he has been, well, at least debuted, and we will see the follow-up. And the women's title tournament begins, and we have brackets for this women's tournament. We have uh, Gigi Dolan against Tiffany Stratton and Roxanne Perez against JC Jane on one side, and then Lyra Valkyria against Kiana James and Fallon Henley against Cora Jade on the other. So I would say that this very much would lead you towards um, – whether it be Tiffany Stratton or Roxanne Perez on one side. And I could see probably Cora Jade going to the finals on, on the other side, but the finals will be at battleground uh, going head to head with um, double or nothing and maybe even into succession. Uh, so that's a, that's a big night. Huge night. Yeah. Yes. A very big one. All right. 
And uh, Dynamite, last thing here on Wednesday. This is our updated lineup. We have Kenny Omega and John Moxley in a steel cage match. Orange Cassidy against Daniel Garcia for the international title. House of Black against the Best Friends and Bandito for the trios titles. Double Jeopardy match with Claudio Castagnoli and Ray Phoenix. Anna Jay against Julia Hart in a no-holds-barred match. Christian Cage will speak, and FTR respond to the challenge by Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal as we get closer to double or nothing and fill out the rest of this card. But five matches announced. I'm imagining, usually we get the the number is six. I'm guessing that this Cage match is going to get plenty of time on uh, Wednesday in Detroit. So probably a longer match than usual by Dynamite standards. But uh, this is a very good card. Uh, a bigger uh, match than usual. Bigger match than usual by dynamite standards. I mean, the you know we've we've had uh, really good dynamites, but I wouldn't say anything that felt like it's um, pay per view level attraction. Uh, and at least not as big as a Kenny Omega versus John Moxley match. And then you throw the cage on top of it. It, it, I'm 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 expecting a pretty you know big difference in the numbers for this one uh, unless the competition is just as hard are they going up against any basketball or sports they're going against NBA and NHL and they're also going against Donald Trump's town hall on CNN which is probably okay. going to be big so mm. they do have quite a lot that they're going up against on on Wednesday okay mm-hmm. and the bigger question by Wednesday will the Toronto Maple Leafs be eliminated by then so it's three. Uh, they're down three nothing, right? Yes. What's when's the game? Tuesday. Tuesday. Okay. I'm gonna say no. I'm you gonna say they'll, they'll, I, they'll. I feel they're gonna squeeze it. out one in this yeah. series. I think they're gonna lose sure. at five. That's my prediction. They're not going any further yeah. than that. I don't think. Let's yeah. let's not get uh, wild here. But anyway, I was worried. I was like, where, where are the Leafs? I'm used to, and then they showed up uh, the last week. On to Raw from the. Uh, oh, we should first mention uh, this week on, on the site before we get uh, further ahead. So uh, Tuesday night, we've got Brandon Davey live here on the channel at uh, 1015 Eastern. We'll be doing Rewind to Dynamite on Wednesday and two shows coming your way on Wednesday because at 3 Eastern, Brandon Thurston and I are going to be interviewing uh, sports media reporter Richard Deitch. Uh, somebody that uh, I'm very much looking forward to uh, chatting about. We're going to talk about sort of covering uh, pro wrestling from his end on like the sports media beat. And he is someone that has covered it for a very long time. Many, many different subjects to chat about with uh, Richard Deitch, who previously with uh, with uh, Sports Illustrated and uh, had a show on the Fan 590 here in Toronto and lives in Toronto, actually, from Buffalo. So this is kind of like the combination of Brandon and I with someone that's originally from Buffalo that now lives in Toronto. Perfect. We'll yes. go to just uh, you can meet on the QEW to do the interview. <laughs> Don't spoil. Uh, that's that was the plan. Okay. And on Thursday night, where is everyone going to be? They're going to be tuning into Waiting, Neil Flanagan and WH Park as they review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which, as we heard on Raw, the number one movie at the box office this past weekend, I believe in the U.S., bringing in one hundred and eighteen million dollars. Sounds like a big number. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'll be talking about it with those two, along with all of you guys who, who will hopefully be tuning in live in the Post Wrestling Cafe at 10 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. So if you've seen it, give us your thoughts. So uh, Post Cafe members, you will get MCU later, as well as Rewind to SmackDown on Friday night with Way and Kate from Montreal. Postmarks this Saturday with guest Brent Chittenden. And then Sunday, WrestleNomics Radio with the with the crew there. So uh, go check everything out at postwrestling.com and you can sign up at postwrestlingcafe.com or video.postwrestling.com to get all of our 
multiple bonus shows each and every week. Whether you want to listen to us, look at us, or just download us and just play it over and over and over again. Half the speed, double the speed, triple the speed, whichever speed. <laughs> have you have you fully migrated to uh, a two X listener way? With your um, other shows? depends on the show. It depends, like you know, how much time I'm looking to fill. But I I do it a lot. Maybe more so, like you know, one point two five, one point five. But it's it's a wonderful convenience. It's it's all about saving time. That's what our whole life is based around. That's controlling time, really. That's it. Yes. And one day we will figure out a way to get raw watched in an hour. That's going to be the next the next goal. How can we watch hmm. something as it's happening in a faster speed? Is that is that physically possible? Is that scientifically possible? <laughs> it's not. Um, but we can hope. Yeah. Well, tonight they were in Jacksonville, Florida, the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena which is too long of a name for any building. And tonight they were going up against the Knicks and the Heat and then the last hour of Raw against the Lakers and Golden State Warriors. Mm. Curry and LeBron. So good luck with that third hour. They were were holding off on this Rollins-Baller match, but that third hour, that's going to be very tough going against uh, even an hour of that game. Just on that note, Andrew in the chat saying that the Leafs game is actually Wednesday. Oh boy, that's Wednesday. So... Yeah, Canada will not be watching Dynamite. That's that's going to be my solid prediction. Hmm. Um, but they could be eliminated by the time we start the show. The Wednesday game? I think that's the next game. Yeah, I'm saying when we start. Oh, Wednesday by the time night. they start, we start the show. Got it. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the game should be winding on down just as we uh, begin. So. <laughs> You're really hey. just, you know, looking to offend every uh, Torontonian on this bandwagon, huh? I'm not the one down 3 nothing. <laughs> No, it's just these people in the first round. It's like, dude, we're we're like talking about parades and stuff. I was like, guys, like let let's learn a little bit from history here. Give me to well, like I, game I, two of the Stanley Cup Finals, and they're up two nothing. I'll be like, okay, we got a blame, chance. You can't blame somebody for being, you know, um, no. Excited. In this city, you can be blamed for being overly optimistic about this team, and especially in the first round. So what should we do? We should not celebrate until we get to cautious optimism. Okay, it's the Leafs. Hmm. This is like the ultimate lesson of, a, right. of any sports fan. I wouldn't say this for the Raptors. I wouldn't say this for the Blue Jays. But the Leafs, yeah. I can definitively state that this team, they will crumble. It is just, it is a guarantee. You speak like somebody who's been like deeply scarred by by this hockey team in the past. That was it. That was it. When they lost to the Canucks in uh, 94, it's like, mm. they're never going to win in my lifetime. I know it. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it. So on to the show we go. And Cody Rhodes it comes out at the beginning and they show highlights of the match with Brock Lesnar, including black and white highlights of the blood from Lesnar and calling attention to the blood as well. And we would get a up close look at the face of Brock Lesnar as he would force us to look at. And Cody notes that here in Jacksonville, this was his home during the pandemic where he made some wonderful memories and he's going to make another tonight. I like this fact that they do not hide from this stuff that like this person that everyone that has followed this guy knows that this is a city that has some significance and they don't run away from this. Like like it just makes him feel like this is not like a WWE promo where you're trying to dupe me or just tell like a manufactured uh, story. It's just like, this is part of his history and we don't have to draw a ton of attention to it, but for those that get it, they get it. And it's uh, like, what's the big deal? Well, more than not running away from it, they're embracing it. I mean, it essentially is the biggest sort of introductory element of Cody's character that makes his 
appearance on the show still seems so special. He is literally somebody who um, was like directly translated from one show to another entrance and all look and all history and all backstory and all. So um, it, I, I love the fact that they're doing this because I don't recall too many times in the past where they've like treated people with this much reverence coming from another company, especially like direct competition through North America. So it, never puts AEW down in any way it just you know he's just the guy from like an alternate universe that has directly come over and has become just as successful here come over to the number one brand in the world I mean they haven't even necessarily said that you know on the European highlight that that's oh, the okay yes that's the, the number one brand in the world there on the yes. planet he notes it's the most watched backlash ever and he learned that Brock Lesnar can be defeated. And now Brock is in the rear view mirror. And next up for him, the World Heavyweight Championship. And we do see the bracket. So tonight it is Valor, Cody, and Miz. And then Damian Priest, Rollins, and Nakamura. And they also reveal the SmackDown bracket. So in one match, you will get AJ Styles, Edge, and Rey Mysterio. And the other, Austin Theory, Sheamus, and Bobby Lashley. Taking place in Knoxville, Tennessee. Oh, Styles entered race sounds awesome. Sounds like a very unique match that I, I yeah. don't know if you, you would have assumed uh, like a match that uh, could you have imagined like seven years ago, this match uh, happening? No, you no, literally no. could not have. Mm-mm. So Kathy, uh, yeah, Cody just ends the promo stating, let the tournament begin when Seth comes out and looks at Cody face to face and then makes his way down to the ring. And we come back. Kathy Kelly speaks to Damian Priest over his loss to Bad Bunny. And he just says, you know, my name is the one that will live forever. It took an entire island to keep me down. And tonight I put Rollins and Nakamura down, and either him or Balor are the ones that are going to take the title. So um, not not a whole lot of uh, focus on Bad Bunny. We were just mo- moving on from this, and there were some highlights throughout the show. And maybe went into part of the thinking of not putting him in the main event? Possibly. Bad Bunny, why didn't he get into this tournament? I think he's busy. I mean, you want a champion who's going to be able to defend at any point, right? I guess so. Like, what about Edge? Is he going to be around? If he wins, I think he'd be expected to. I mean, this guy takes a, you know, does match and he takes off. Well, they should have a talk to him about that. Okay. Everyone's going to have to sign like a minimum date contract. Yeah, I think so. Seth, Damian Priest, and Shinsuke Nakamura is our first triple threat match. And this was uh, quite the night for Seth Rollins having to work two matches. Uh, Nakamura hits a flying knee off the buckle to Priest. And then Priest catches a springboard by Rollins into an elevated flatliner. The three go down from strikes. And then Nakamura attacks Damian Priest's knee, bringing about the the injury that he had on Saturday. And I like the fact that they tied in the injury from backlash and it's not just okay the event's over and poof he's back to 100 percent rollins hits a discus lariat onto nakamura and then priest knocks rollins off balance on the top turnbuckle but the knee gives out as he goes for the razor's edge allowing rollins to hit the stomp nakamura dives in for the save and then nakamura strikes rollins in the back of the head the Kinshasa gets stopped by Priest, who then tosses Rollins out, and he's limping on the bad knee. And Nakamura continues to kick at Priest's knee and rolls to a knee bar. But while he has the knee bar applied, Rollins comes off the top of the frog splash to Nakamura and hits him with the pedigree, pinning Nakamura in 13 minutes and 20 seconds. So Seth Rollins advances. Really spectacular finish. 
Um, I thought this was a really good triple threat match, and I think Damian Priest continues to be used really well working off of these baby faces. Here tonight, I thought his ability to play sort of like your base as a monster while convincingly selling that leg, um, he continues to really impress me in how good he's become in this sort of like focused big role. So um, I thought they also did a really good job of making the Nakamura-Rollins pairings feel special. This was, you know, in a way... um, Nakamura's official reintroduction to WWE Raw and even though he lost tonight I thought there was a feeling of specialness to him that felt you know very fresh that he didn't have on Smackdown in a long time and I think him going 50-50 here with Rollins helped make him feel a bit hotter um but Rollins you know as good as uh, tonight as ever it's it's impossible for him to not have a match with the night contender and he really does bring out the best in everybody including these two tonight Yeah, he wrestled for like 27 minutes on Monday night and more to come. Vinci and Kaiser, this was great. They're in the back and they're just yelling to no one that Gunther is arriving next week on Raw. And they're just like shouting into like the into space. And they walk up to Owens and Zane and want to talk to them. But Owens and Zane are busy. They're like, give us five minutes and then we can talk. And Vinci says he does not deal with disrespect. And Kaiser puts his finger into the face of Zane while he's off camera had a very uh, Daniels and Kazarian vibe from uh, being the elite with the finger. <laughs> and they warn them about Gunther and that their tag titles could be in danger. So Owens refers to them as henchmen for Gunther, just like the Usos are for the bloodline. And Zane says, well, with the Usos, we dealt with them for months tonight. We're going to deal with you in one evening. And they issue the challenge. And Owens asks, what do you think about that turtleneck? And uh, off walks uh, mini Christian Cage here. I don't know. He's probably taller than Christian. Yeah, Cage, I was going to say maybe not uh, not so many. Um, I turtleneck equals heel in 2023. Oh, clearly, absolutely. Um, I, I I think the contrast of characters, you know, was really promising here between Imperium, who I think are, are automatically a real great fit for the main roster, and Owens and Zane, who are maybe two of your most down to earth sort of real, you know, just average guys, um, at least, you know, in terms of relatability here. But um, the way they got to this match was kind of about as bare bones as you could get. You know, I'm trying to talk. You're not letting me talk. OK, let's have a match, you know. Um, so really just a, kind of a way for us to get to the to the to the Imagine they track. kept the camera on Owens and Zane for five minutes as they their small talk. <laughs> yeah. And we just yeah. waited. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, you know, if they weren't going up against the stiff sports competition, then maybe. They could have had that. What do you think they were going over? Were they talking about why aren't we in this tournament? That's a very good question. Maybe they'll talk. They'll be talking about what they're going to do in Saudi Arabia, or what they're going to be doing that weekend while everyone's in Saudi Arabia. Well, that's what I mean. How can what's going to happen? Are they going to be on the show? It's called Night of Champions. The, it's it's going to be an interesting question this year to see if if they. I'm are... going to say, I don't think he's going to be on. Well, maybe they're making plans for. Uh, double or nothing or whatever they're gonna i guess they could have what gunther lay them lay sammy out or something like they'll have to call it with some sort of excuse interim tag titles for the weekend oh of course yes yeah Mm -hmm. they could do that as well otis is with uh, chad gable and maxine taking on mustafa ali positive ali and otis runs him over rips off his shirt and he's gonna go for the caterpillar with which gable is encouraging him to do but maxine doesn't want him to do it so he's wasting all this time misses ali running his shoulder into the post and leads to ali hitting the 450 and ali wins in two minutes and 18 seconds and look at ali how happy he is to score a win on television 
He should probably be more excited about actually getting a story because um, the win for Ali is pretty meaningless here. The, the entire focus is about Gable and Maxine's arguing, causing Otis the match. And, um, you know, even though Otis is really, yeah, mid-card comedy guy, there's still, I think, a level of credibility you probably want to attach to somebody who, you know, is of that size. And I didn't think it was necessary for him to take a pretty meaningless loss here to Ali just to kind of further that story. Um I think the story itself has been moving rather slow for something so basic and just, I don't know, like <laughs> simple. Um, but maybe they've been waiting this long, you know, for, for backlash and for the rosters to settle. Yeah, tonight was the first night that the rosters went into effect, mm-hmm. which uh, was, I guess, a background issue to tonight's show. It was, uh, it was happening. But it didn't feel like a like a giant. Uh, it just it just it, it didn't feel as though it was like all these new names. Like I I don't know how many people. Can I, even... I I felt that. Yeah, I felt okay. it tonight. Yeah. Well, like you saw a lot of people that you wouldn't usually see. Um. Oh, well, never mind. You you would usually see a lot of them. But I mean, they. I thought they hit that point home like pretty well. The Miz is in the back, and he notes he's a two-time Grand Slam champion and the biggest celebrity and only true workhorse in this tournament. And they note that he was at the Kentucky Derby with Maurice, uh, which which Graves comparing Maurice's large hat to Miz's balls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. The Miz, Finn Balor, and Cody Rhodes is our next triple threat match. Uh, Rhodes is uh, selling his shoulder from the, the night prior or two nights prior and hits a suicide dive onto both men on opposite sides, then a double Cody cutter as he holds his shoulder. But the crossroads gets countered by Balor, uh, and then Rhodes hits a disaster kick, and Miz hits the double DDT, and the crowd is chanting, tiny balls, tiny balls. And I just can't wait till we – can we just bring the Puerto Rican crowd to all these cities? Like, I could take this tiny balls chant if it was in Spanish. I think it'd just sound cooler. Mm, probably, yeah. But back to our regular chants. Uh, there's a sling blade to Miz, and then Rhodes clotheslines Miz out, and the coup de grace misses. Miz then runs Balor into Rhodes on the apron and goes for the skull-crushing finale. Cody is in for the save, and he hits the crossroads to Balor. Miz then tosses Rhodes out, but he quickly returns, and Cody proceeds to hit three crossroads onto Miz, He's got the match won when Brock Lesnar yanks Cody out and hits him with an F5 on the floor and then onto the desk. And we see Brock stare. Well, first of all, Balor pins Miz with the coup de grace in 928. So Finn Balor will face Seth Rollins later. And so when Brock had this shirt, the first half of the word was uh, covered on the the second word. So I thought his shirt read country bumpkin. (laughs) And then he revealed it, and it says "country ass kicking." Um, but the way it looked, I was like, "This would be the greatest heel shirt for this guy." Country, country bumpkin. bumpkin. Okay, um, that was not. It might be a bit better than country ass kicking, which you wouldn't buy this. <laughs> I mean, a uh, black wrestling T-shirt with white font and an angry uh, look on it. Country bumpkin. Um, yeah. Hmm. So Brock gets on the mic, which I don't think was working at the beginning. So his. Audible was to just scream so loud that everyone would hear him. Look at this face. And this is a hideous looking face. He has got stitches. He's got a black eye. Um, this is quite a haunting figure that he, he has on him. And he asks Cody what he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about himself and that Cody lucked into the victory and he wants a fight. 
a fight at night of champions and says, who is the coward now? And that's how he leaves him. And Lesnar looks at the title as he walks to the back, smiling as Cody stays motionless, selling this, uh, this attack by Brock Lesnar as they are going to have a fight at night of champions. I thought this was a, well, first of all, I thought it was a very effective match. It was another really good three-way here with good action. And I think good logical booking at the end of it, you know, they had Cody appear to be pretty dominant against the two heels and Balor and the Miz here. And obviously that's all to set up the Brock Lesnar, um, causing him a victory to reheat up that program. I I thought the post-match angle had a lot of great intensity and some wonderful visuals here. You know, looking at this guy with these stitches and this black eye, he looks terrifying, a lot more terrifying than even usual. So, and we got to hear Brock speak a lot more and emote maybe a lot more than usual. You know, this is almost like a new style of Brock promo where this was um, like growling with words mixed in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've seen uh, Boombox Brock now, I think, for a few years, Fun Loving Brock, but now he's back to, you know, being a heel and talking for himself without Paul Heyman around now. He's pissed off. He's, you know, he needed to uh, convey how pissed off he is at Cody for beating him at Backlash and just delivered this, I think, big, brutal attack that completely reheated up the feud because he cost Cody his story, the thing that mattered matters to Cody the most. So I... I'm still waiting for a reason, and I think Cody is still waiting for a reason why Brock initially attacked him. If we were going to get it, it would have been tonight, so I don't think we're ever going to get it. But um, It's part now, of the story now that he doesn't have a reason for attacking Cody. Yeah. Like that's yeah. the story now. Yeah. They, they just clearly either didn't come up with it, or maybe it was supposed to be for the championship. Who knows? Yeah, and I don't know if that, that cut is going to heal in three weeks' time, so it's a perfect target for blood in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, sure. I mean, clearly they wanted it and clearly they were, you know what? Like, I think we're going to get double blood at Saudi Arabia. Thinking back a week ago when they had, you know, Brock um, bloodied, whether or not that was intentional, that I don't know. But you had Cody mention it in saying that, hey, I saw this guy bleed and clearly almost felt like it was foreshadowing the the blood that we got in the match itself. So policy seems to have changed and they are willing at least, you know, and when it's when guys can be trusted to do some hard white blood to use blood in their shows. This post wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Rhea Ripley is with Dominic and takes on Dana Brooke, who we learned is on Raw. And Dana cuts a promo that she was, she asked for this opportunity and we are going to see her untapped potential tonight. And as she is introduced and with the belt she is wearing, that on this night that the rosters take effect, Rhea Ripley is still going to be the SmackDown Women's Champion. No explanation about that whatsoever. You know, no, it's, definitely it confusing. would seem that they don't want to do the silly belt swap. And 
I mean, this will be kind of funny if they just continue with these two as their respective brand champions on opposite shows, which, yeah, I mean, they will do it clearly, but I I guess they just don't think the timing is right. But if you're getting like, this is the first official show of your new brand. So at least I think some mention of why the the, the Raw exclusive wrestler is holding a SmackDown championship. I think the hesitancy is because we're pushing this run of Bianca Belair's and their story is that lineage that they don't want to interrupt. I guess so. But at some point they're going to have to, how long can they go ahead with, with a raw champion on SmackDown? I mean, quite honestly, um, it's, it's just silly. Um, it is like, they could just call them the opposite champions call them the universal or, you know, call it the, the world, you know, whatever. It is a good time to just rename them, and then you don't mm-hmm. have to necessarily break the lineage because you're not swapping it with an existing title. You're just creating like an extension of the – you're just rebranding these titles yeah. so that we don't have to play this game every draft. Mm-hmm. Dana chops at the knee and then hits her with a bulldog, but the high cross is caught and just dumps her into a riptide. But then instead of going for the pin, uses the prism lock to submit her in a minute 43 and continues the attack with another riptide, reapplying the prism lock when Natalia comes out, steps up to Ripley and Dominic whispers something to Rhea and the two exit, leaving Natalia there. Um, so this is our showdown on Raw. So this this looks like it might be the direction for Night of Champions. Rhea and Natalia? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sure. Why not? You know, let's see how good of a job they can do with Natalia with what a few weeks time, like what they did with Selena. Um, at this stage, you're really just kind of adding numbers to what will likely be a very, very long championship reign for Rhea Ripley. And I mean, you could expect maybe a, a more significant program for Rhea for Money in the Bank and for SummerSlam. Um, but for now, it's it's going to be defenses against the rest of the roster, like Natalia, you know, who you can probably assume will be a really good match. But I don't think anybody will buy the championship. Um, who do you think will, will actually face her at Money in the Bank in SummerSlam? I guess it really depends on how far they go with this Trish and Becky feud. And we'll get to the segment later. Like, they are it does not feel like they're going slow with this program. Like they're almost ready yeah. to do like, maybe you're going to get several matches out of that program. But to me, like I, I would be hard pressed to imagine Trish and Becky is still going by, by SummerSlam time. Like that's all right. Well, money in the bank kind of makes sense for like, you know, um, a UK based wrestler um, or yeah. Becky, uh, Becky Lynch, you know, like Piper, Nikki Cross, Tegan Knox. You can always heat them up as well. But Becky obviously feels like the the biggest one, but do they want to save it for SummerSlam? We'll see. It's like you have Becky on the show and you've got to build up some more viable challengers. Um, mm. Like that's like Becky is fine and good, but you, you didn't need maybe, to maybe that's a, basis. maybe that's like a, you know, um, two chapter type of match. You do the first match at, um, at money in the bank and then come back with a stipulation for SummerSlam. A fight. A fight. Yeah. We had a video of the NXT call-ups focusing on Indy Hartwell, Katana Chance and Caden Carter, JD McDonough, Jinder Mahal, Indy Sheer, Zoe Stark, and Apollo Crews. It's like, how are they going to focus on all of these people? And tonight, they did not. They just, um, I, I kind of like that, okay, we're going to focus on Zoe Stark and we'll run a promo for Jinder and Indy Sheer rather than shoehorning mm-hmm. everyone in. It's yeah. it's going to be tough to imagine all of these people getting television time in any significant fashion spread out amongst them there are going to be some casualties here i think that are just going to be akira tozabo level perhaps perhaps um i i see 
most of them getting like a pretty good look you know like even i especially i think um i, I think they'll all get a start they'll all get like yeah. an honest start um mm-hmm. i like katana chance and caden carter just because the division needs teams so yep. that's good to have jd mcdonough is going to be a tough one like he's yeah. just going to have to win over people and it's i just see it being tough for him and ditto for apollo cruz like it just feels as though like do you see him being in a meaningfully higher role than he was before? so no i i mean i hope so just because he's been away and comes back feeling a little bit fresh for like a main roster viewer um but he hasn't exactly landed on a winning gimmick while he was in nxt so if he was down in NXT to really workshop something, didn't necessarily find something. I mean, it's better than this Nigerian thing that he was doing before, but um, I don't think they're going to come back with a mind reader gimmick um, or a future teller gimmick here either. I would. Well, maybe, maybe he's going to be a big picture project and Vince's guys. I know. I know what'll work. Uh, <laughs> what? Goes back to the accent. I like this oh, is Vince's idea. Yeah. We'll see. I would love to see him paired with Tazawa. I mean, like these guys are like real life best friends and neither of them are really doing anything. Put them in the tag division. I mean, it sounds nice. I just, I, I think it's like, I don't know if that really helps him in in terms of just where the, the status is of a, yeah. of a Tozawa, but it's, I mean, he'll, we'll see. It's, it's just going to be hard to imagine some of these people catching on. Saxton interviews Zoe Stark. And she notes she is amazing at what she does, but she is distracted by Nikki Cross, who she walks up and calls her a weirdo and issues a challenge to Nikki for tonight. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn against Ludwig Kaiser and Giovanni Vinci went about 10 minutes. They had the advantage on Zayn. After the break, Owens gets the tag, destroying Kaiser and hits a swan dive off the top. Vinci then sweeps the leg as Kaiser clotheslines Owens and they take control of him until Owens hits a stunner on Kaiser. But Vinci is the legal man, eats a super kick, and Zane gets the tag and lands the Haluva kick, getting the pin on Vinci in nine minutes and 55 seconds. Good TV match here. You know, I think a lot of like tonight's show was about reestablishing and reintroducing who the focus players are um who are the guys with the championships who are the guys that are called up um that you need to pay attention to who are the guys that are going to be the the main cast going forward and that was zane and owens up of course um this also could have set up i would assume some sort of interaction between owens and zane and gunther in the future perhaps um i don't know how they're really going to do that with the two of them as a tag team and and gunther being by himself Gunther Um, wins the tag titles (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but maybe Owens and Zane going for the IC championship um, individually, that might be something that they might explore. Um, I was kind of hoping for something a bit more for, for Imperium than just, you know, being set up here, but maybe the Gunther thing is a bigger story. I mean, that it would lead you to believe that Gunther is somehow tied with these guys, at least for television purposes. Mm-hmm. Gunther yeah. Riddle, you know, like beats the shit out of Riddle, at least maybe. Yeah. Yep, you could do that. And they could do a three-way. Or trios, I mean. Yeah, it's, you know, you do have the Judgment Day, but, I mean, Gunther is, you know, technically, it, like, unless you look at Priest and Balor as above him, like, Gunther is your top heel on this show. Like, who is yeah. Rollins going to be, or whoever wins this this title? Like, you you go with Rollins as your assumption. Like, who are his mm-hmm. programs on, on, on Raw? Like, Gunther sort of needs to be at that level. And I'm just curious to see how they view Owens and Zane because keeping them out of the tournament, um, like it. 
like I they're sort they're, of they're more effective as like now that this Usos thing is over. I, I, how committed are they to building these tag team championships? Because I haven't really been convinced that they see them as anything special. And if that's the case, then Owens and Dana are far more valuable as singles. Yeah, I I wouldn't disagree with that. I mean, they're all the the only value is if they're going to have them on both shows, and that these titles right. give them the option to do that. Sonya Deville and Chelsea Green are going around getting people to sign a petition, including Zia Lee, and then go up to Gargano, Candice, and Indy uh, as we had our way reunion here. Um, not with Ting, but rather the group. <laughs> and they're lying to people about signing this for like, uh, you know, humanitarian efforts, but it's to get a rematch for the tag titles. And Dexter Loomis enters, gives them a thumbs down, and they call them rude, and that Dexter should smile more. And then Gargano notes that the family is back together and he's coming back soon and thinks it will be great. Candice LeRae disagrees. So that part's really interesting, obviously um, insinuating Austin theory, but who's, but he's a SmackDown guy. So how is this possible, John? It's, it's, it's nearly impossible that you would see a SmackDown star reunite on raw. Can't happen. Impossible. The rosters went into effect today. Can't happen. That's it. No, unless there's another. Was there like a, another secret member of the way? I mean, this, this is this could be you're led to believe it's Austin Theory, but it ends up being Champa, and that would give you a reason for Candace mm-hmm. to have the reluctance to uh, have Champa rejoin them. But like, mm. what does Ch- I would much rather have this for Champa than he's coming back as the Mrs. Lackey uh, again. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know if this is the best right. one either, but it's it's at least something for him. So I, I think it's good. I think it's good. You you start them off as friends uh, for the inevitable turn, right? You know, to really kind of heat up Champa as a super heel. But yeah, it's a, hopefully it's about time. Do we know the prognosis of whatever he's coming back from? I mean, like he had to have uh, surgery. So it's it's been months at this point that you would think mm. like it's close to uh, – a potential return. I would love that, like, you know, little side story universe of just, you know, these sort of like black and gold representatives in the way and Tommaso Ciampa operating with their own little storyline in their own little pocket um, sure. because they each, every single, all five of those people need something. And I already have like, you know, a, a lot more optimism for the four of them. Um, just with the addition of Indy Hartwell, I think it, it feels like the group feels complete. You could do so much more with Dexter Loomis, Candice LeRae, you know, like has somebody who can potentially go out there with her for her matches. And you could just do so much more storytelling with this, this four, these four as a unit. Um, and I thought this was like a good in- introduction to Indy. Really, it was just like, hey, like here's somebody that you might have heard of, seen in all the promos, uh, and now she's attached to this family. So, yeah, I'm and looking forward had, to it. And had like as good a send off as you could ask for last week on NXT. Like that was a really good segment to yeah. end her run there with. And they don't show her with any sort of boot at all. So, I mean, you know, she said what high angle, high ankle sprain. Yeah, high, high sprain. High sprain. So hopefully it means she could still travel and do appearances like this. She doesn't even have to wrestle for quite some time if she's involved in a storyline like that. They congratulate Batista on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Unlike have the they done one. that in the past for any of Batista's um, movies? Well, famously, they didn't for the first because they didn't want to promote it because they told Batista, we don't know if this is going to be a big hit or not. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um. I know that they've mentioned some of his movies, but I, I don't think they've ever done the congratulations on the box office. Like even for mm. the, the second one, I don't think they did this. 
you think he you think it's possible years. that have we completely written off a return or, or is it possible that he, he could come back not for the hall of fame but for an actual run um he's he's i mean he said he's retired you know how that works in wrestling like that's like hmm. a brand split like that's locked in in stone i i, I would I would venture to think not at this point. I, I think you know, such it's a liability been, too, right? You know, when was the last match? It was the Hunter match at WrestleMania. That's that was four so. years. Yeah, and when you get there in age, like why? You know, why would rest? you do this if you were him? Like it's yeah, like you're not you're in like you know, what was he in? Uh, what was he? What was he in uh, before this? Glass Onion was he in that? Yes, yeah, he's yeah, great yeah. in that. Very good in that. Yeah. Nikki Cross takes on Zoe Stark. They went 229, some uh, forearm strikes by Nikki Cross, and then a seated drop kick. Goes for the Tornado DDT. It's blocked, and Stark hit, hits a super kick. And her finisher, the Z360, in two minutes and 29 seconds, kind of like a, you know her finisher. It's, if you haven't seen it before, it's like a, a spinning version into like a GTS. Looks mm-hmm. looks very good. And wins her match. And oh, someone, you, you do have like the big heel champion on this show, but like Zoe Stark could be a player in this women's division very quickly. I certainly think so. I mean, I thought this was like a really good debut for her. She has an in-ring style that's very credible. It looks aggressive. It looks very fluid. And I think it immediately makes her stand out on this roster because I, I mean, and she could roster, easily transition to a baby face. Like it's not as though it's so rigid yeah. that you have to keep her in this hero world. Yeah. She looks to be very legitimate. And I hope they find a successful story for her. That's that's maybe, you know, the big X factor. She could speak, I think, decently. But, you know, if if they could find a good enough character and she can actually get over it, man, the potential in match quality is really there with her and, like, a Becky with, like, you know, uh, Rhea Ripley, you know, it would be pretty awesome. So it feels like a pretty fresh division right now with, like, all these new NXT names. Saxton interviews Ripley and Dominic and... They get interrupted by Tozawa and Xavier Woods, who are just laughing. What could these two be laughing about? Uh, I I don't know. Oh, okay. They make fun of Dominic's wardrobe. Woods says it looks like it's from the lost and found. So this leads to a, a challenge, which Ripley accepts on behalf of Dom Dom. So that is coming up. Trish Stratus comes out. And she has uh, her uh, her missing posters for Becky Lynch that she was handing out backstage and has a shirt with the missing poster on it and is pretending to be concerned for Becky Lynch and assures Kevin Patrick that her fellow compatriot is going to be OK, asks Corey to tweet about this for to so that they safely locate Becky Lynch and notes that Becky is probably crying in some dank part of Iowa with her dumb daughter. And the crowd is just booing this. How dare you insult her daughter? And Trish doubles down, says, what? Her daughter is dumb. She's two. She doesn't even know her colors yet. And Becky is not going to be coming to Raw because this is my show. It's my spotlight and no one will ever steal it. And then Becky's music plays plays, and the place reacts and Trish just laughs, calling all the fans dumb and gullible. They don't know their colors either. And she will. Becky will never get Trish because Becky is never coming back and goes to tell this story about her daughter buying a doll and naming it Becky Lynch because it looks pretty. And then Becky's music plays again. And this time Trish is staying. The joke is over, but it really is Becky this time who appears behind her in the ring and attacks Trish and hits the Bexploder and states that she is here to kick her ass. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Becky is back. Uh, 
I thought I thought the segment was okay. I think Trish's confidence continues to you know definitely uh, improve and and uh, come back. Um, I don't think the the content has been the strongest in this program. I'm like, so why was Becky gone? She was gone from the turn, right? Yeah, she. But was it? I mean, she just kind of did the deal where she like, uh, you know, didn't she like uh, darken her Twitter and just yeah? yeah. There's no explanation yet. So this like, is why was like, Trish so confident that Becky was never going to return? And what 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 happened that was so significant that like maybe she felt she uh, mentally broke her from what having a, re- a, a pro Becky wrestler and Brock have some explanations. That's that's what. I mean, she just came yeah. back, so you should get, wait till the promo to figure out. And I think if there's no reason for it, then that's a, that's a worthy hole too. I think I think if they're going to go this route of like teasing that a Becky Lynch may not actually return, it, it needed to be something that was a bit more significant in in causing her to go away. But you know, I I really like this maybe program the most when you had Trish explaining how like um, she was neglected by the four horsewomen and it felt like her history was being wiped away. So I hope that's a threat that they continue to pull on tonight. We got introduced that like the idea that what Trish's daughter is an admirer of Becky Lynch Lynch's and that um, obviously, you know, w- would make her to feel jealous. Those are threads that I hope they really kind of, you know, um, follow a little bit more just to kind of make this thing feel a bit more personal. But maybe now we could do that type of storytelling with Becky actually back. This is going to be a tag match? Mother and uh, daughter? Trish and the daughter versus uh, Becky and the daughter. Okay. Maybe it may be in 10 years. No, well, t- what, 20 at least. Yeah. Cody is being worked on in the trainer's room with uh, Owens and Zane, and they know nothing is broken, but he has bruised ribs. Xavier Woods, Dominic Mysterio, they went over uh, 10 minutes here. So Dominic hits the three amigos, and then Woods hits a spinning DDT off the rope. Dominic nails him with an elbow, and then Woods hits a stomp off the buckle as Dominic is draped. And then Woods misses the elbow, allowing Dom to cradle him while grabbing the tights in 10 minutes and 47 seconds. A good amount of heat for Dominic uh, during this match. And they're trying to push Xavier Woods as sort of putting the comedy behind him that he is a serious performer. Uh, but someone that is kind of treading water on. Are on they the really show. pushing that? Like, are, are they? That's what they mentioned throughout the commentary here is that he's right. a serious performer that is that people don't take seriously. I just don't see real any real storyline for him until Kofi comes back. You know, he just feels like he's supporting act and has been for such a long time. But maybe I, I, I think there's tremendous story to be told about the only New Day member left remaining. So can they take advantage of that? Yeah, I don't know. He's kind of in, you know, slotted at a, a certain level that um, we will see. Like it's at the same time we talk about where all these guys are kind of just trying to tread water. But man, there's such upward mobility at the same time. I would say especially on the heel side, like this show is just screaming for a heel to break through. Um, you know, if Grayson Waller was on there, I keep going back to Grayson Waller and maybe we're getting ahead of things. But if he was on Raw, like this guy would be getting an honest to God shot at like, a main event level spot. Like Mm. when you're looking at Gunther and the judgment day as your key heels, like that role is open. And I would say certainly uh, when Drew McIntyre is back, um, like mm-hmm. he would be poised for one of those heel roles because they are very heavy on the babyface side when you include Owens and Zayn and Riddle and Cody and Seth. Yeah. But the Judgment Day has, you know, three like really strong heels right now. Um, I mean, not including Rio, of course, you know, but in Priest and Valor and, and Dominic, I think you can easily, Priest for sure, you can push into a world title contention level pretty quickly. Maybe at some point you can do that with Dominic as well in the not too distant future. So 
that that uh, you know if there's anybody that's going to reach the, to the next level in the immediate future I, I could see it being one of those three then we had a vignette with Indashir and Jinder Mahal. They have conquered continents and obliterated the competition, and they will bring pain. They have waited for the moment to strike, and they will emerge from the shadows to shake the foundation of Raw. Which continents have they conquered? In- um, well, they they didn't conquer Florida uh, during this last run. Um, Maybe they're talking about baseball. Okay. He's, he, that, that, he that, that's one of them. That's one yeah. of them. That, Baseball's that a continent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about Sangha. I don't, I don't know what he has uh, conquered at this point, but uh, they're going to start with North America. Okay. That's yeah. a good start. Good luck. Nakamura's with Miz, and Miz says that they should have each had each other's back tonight, but both lost. And Miz is proposing a team while Nakamura challenges him to a one-on-one match instead. So that is what's going to happen next week. The Miz against Nakamura. And I could see these two ending up as a team. Really? Because I don't, I don't see them doing much on their own beyond just Miz being Miz and Nakamura being. Like, as, I just as, listed as, off your baby faces, like, dude, it, like the best hope for this guy is tag team. So, as a baby face or a tag team? Um, I mean, it would, it would, it would seem to be. Or I a mean, heel. I mean, yeah. You would I, certainly... I don't think Nakamura is turning back to the heel like that quickly, you know. And I don't know if the Miz is going to be a baby face. Miz was a very good babyface during that team with Shane McMahon. I mean, he was he was very good during that I'm run. Trying to remember, really, he was. Was that the Ric Flair run? No, no, no. This was years later. No, no, it's possible. I'm trying to come up with viable ideas because I, I don't know how many viable ones there are going to be for Nakamura on on this show. Hmm. Deville and Green meet with Raquel and Liv Morgan, who state all you needed to do was ask for a title shot. I was like, this is really easy. Bilal Muhammad should have uh, tried this instead of having to go 10 fights before finally being told he can get a title fight. So said, so next week, you can face us. And DeVille and Green laugh, saying, we're, we'll assume we're taking on damage control because they have to defend the titles on Friday. So they uh, got their line in there. Kathy Kelly interviews Cody Rhodes. And Kelly asks, how do you feel about being uh, eliminated from the tournament? And Cody is like, I understand you're obligated to ask this question obviously it doesn't feel good to be out of this tournament and it was my tournament to win and he walks off he's like i've got nothing to say but then he comes back and says it's the second time brock has attacked me for no reason and maybe it's because his monopoly on the main event scene is is weakening because by every discernible metric i'm the guy quarter hours merchandise european house show per cap merchandise sales on the European tour. I'm the guy. And he agrees to fight Brock Lesnar at night of champions. So they're going to have a bare knuckle fight. Uh, slap, slap fight. Uh, slap fight. Okay. Yeah. All those things. I'm sure you'll see. Yeah. Um, Brock did have a reason this week. I mean, his reason. Yeah. Was he I lost. mean, this one was kind of, <laughs> This was certainly premeditated, and I think Cody could jump to conclusions. But he still doesn't know what started this whole thing. Yeah, but I question the why. Like Cody would even bring it up at this point because it's almost like one of those things that's better left unsaid because they clearly don't have any reason for it. So why even <laughs> bring it back up? Can but. you imagine the Brock Lesnar character having to cut a promo stating, <laughs> "You went on last at WrestleMania, and I was on first. Yeah, maybe You're Brock would complain that his daughter bought an action figure and 
called it Cody Rhodes. Could have happened. Maybe his daughter's a big AEW fan, and Brock's not happy about that. Brock should be thanking him because with, UFC isn't my leverage anymore. This other company is if they get a big rights renewal. Who mm. else can I play off of this company when my contract's up? So next week, we get Gunther's debut on Raw, The Miz and Nakamura, and Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville challenging for the tag titles. <laughs> I don't know if this is the most inspiring lineup a week out that is going to curb people's plans if they have alternate ones. So really, they could have like saved the final of this tournament for at least on the raw side of things for next week, but I guess, goes. I guess timing wise, they, they only have so many weeks before night of champions. You're right. Like theoretically you could have held that off for a week and built it up, but I guess they wanted that challenger or the, the main event after this week. Yeah. For whatever yeah. reason. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, this is at least for these three, it's uh does not sound like the strongest. And then Finn Balor and Seth Rollins, a great match, a rematch from SummerSlam 2016, where they did the powerbomb spot into the barricade, but this time it was Balor hitting the move to Rollins, and Rollins did a fantastic job of selling like paralysis for the rest of this match. He could not use his left arm, and it was just really, really well done selling by uh, Seth, I thought, mm-hmm. throughout the majority of this match. Uh, Balor goes to a Fujiwara arm bar, attacking the arm, and then Rollins stops a shotgun dropkick, catching him with a super kick, lands some rolling elbows, and then they both go down after an Inziguri and Pele, respectively. Double stomp is hit by Rollins, and then the coup de gras is thwarted as Rollins scales to the top, hits the superplex, but as he goes to the Falcon Arrow follow-up, it's countered with a reverse bloody Sunday by Balor for the two-count. He sends Rollins into the corner, misses with the coup de grace, and then Rollins can only hook one arm for the pedigree, hits it, and Balor kicks out. So Rollins then sets up for the stomp as the crowd sings, misses it, and after rolling out uh, by a roll-up attempt from Balor, stomps Balor straight on the face and then hits the proper stomp and wins the match in 13 minutes and 31 seconds. Two really great matches from Seth Rollins tonight, but this, to me, was the match of the night a really really solid end to raw very very good match did a great job of drawing upon their first encounter together that is still you know pretty memorable to this day but flipping it and setting up i think a great injury storyline for seth rollins and the chemistry between these two is as perfect as ever they're practically like mirror images in terms of style and both of them are still like on currently on like pretty hot runs as characters you know balor with the judgment day and rollins just becoming a really hot baby face on raw so it made for an excellent tv main event here um and a really good in-ring edition of raw because of this one night tournament yeah and when you look at it like like Drew's kind of status whenever like he is back in the mix. Like mm-hmm. even if you're just looking at like this mix of Drew, Seth, Balor, and Cody, like there is a lot of combos there that you can yeah. certainly um deal with. And you can get away with like a Cody Seth babyface babyface program when it's when it's time to do it. Like there mm-hmm. are, there's a lot of tools that don't, they don't have. forget Rollins or Owens and Zane. And Owens and Zane are in this whole mix as well. You yeah. So the question is, after they recreated this spot from SummerSlam 2016, will Brock and Cody recreate a spot from that same show with uh, Brock and uh, Randy Orton's head? I'm like, if they bled for that first match, I'm going to suggest that they'll probably bleed. Um, they'll probably try to outdo themselves. So I don't know if Randy's going to be too happy. I I, w- I would hope that they learn from that SummerSlam spot, and there will be no elbows to the head. But yeah, I, I thought yeah. Uh, 
a pretty good episode of Raw that um yeah had some very good wrestling on the show, but especially that main event that I enjoyed I, quite a bit. I thought like you know the the tournament gave the show um like the whole three hours some a show long purpose. You had you know three very good matches as a result, fresh matches I think in the form of like a, some of the new debuts. I thought every match had a bit of a purpose in at least telling you who you should be focusing on um for the season going forward and you know um. It did feel fresher to me than usual, this edition of Raw. How do you feel about this World Heavyweight Championship? Now that you've seen the brackets, that way was, you know, as optimistic as you could be that maybe it's going to be all Raw talent in this uh, tournament. <laughs> it is SmackDown talent. How do you feel about this concept now that they are um, that pulling to it? The, that part's fucking ridiculous. I mean, the whole thing is is pretty ridiculous when you just think about that. Um I, you know, on the one hand, I understand maybe not, you know, wanting star power um, to be attached on both sides of the bracket here, but uh, they need a better explanation for how you can go through the whole process of a draft and making these guys SmackDown exclusive only to put them up for contention for a raw championship. I mean, and that really should have been explained tonight. Like that should have been whether your line, whatever you have, to, the, you know, the winner becomes raw exclusive, the, something, because this is so illogical, especially this Friday. It will be glaringly illogical when you have Roman on this show mm-hmm. and these SmackDown guys competing for your raw title. This whole aspect of the brand split um, I, really does suggest to me like people who haven't necessarily thought things through or, or like, you know, maybe very quick brash decisions are, are being made. Um but hey, at least the matches will probably be good. Okay, we will move on. If you have any super chats, you are welcome to submit them. And we also have feedback from forum.postwrestling.com where you can always leave your thoughts after the shows. Got one one super chat here from Rob McDonald who sends 550 to say, I'm happy to be one of the select few who will get a shirt for Forbidden Poor. I hope to see you guys in my neck of the woods at Impact Emergence in August. That is, uh, well, thank you, Rob, for um, being one of the early ticket buyers. Yeah, we mentioned that. Uh, first 25 people to buy a ticket will receive one of our post-wrestling five-year anniversary in New Jersey shirts. So you're go- you'll be getting one of those. But um, I'm sure we'll have some to give away for, you know, some of the contests that we'll be, t- uh, we'll be doing that night as well. So, uh show up and maybe join rob who is i believe a camera operator for impact yes yes i uh, i chatted with him at the last uh, pay-per-view uh, that was yeah. here and that emergent show uh, it, it's when they're coming back to the rebel complex here in toronto unfortunately it's the same day as all in and i don't think i'll be able to get out to emergence that night that would be all in will be during the day it'll be during the day but after we record and such, that's a lot of wrestling in, in one day. But um, yeah, that's going to be happening at the end of August. So a busy summer, a busy every month in, in the world of wrestling. Let's go to Alexander from Portland, who writes, Solid show tonight. The pacing was incredible and kept my interest through all three hours. The way reuniting was pleasant. Zoe Stark looked great, and all four members of the Judgment Day showed off in their matches. Biggest complaint of the show is Trish's promo. I get that Becky needs a higher caliber opponent, but Trish as a heel isn't cutting it for me. Samantha Irvin is a fantastic announcer. Glad she's on the three-hour show. Between Cody and Brock, the World Heavyweight Championship match and a possible Roman title defense at 1,000 days, which match do you see headlining Night of Champions? Um, first of all, what do you think about Trish so far in the heel role? Do you think she is at that level where the audience does want to just see her 
in that babyface role? Is she sort of fighting against the tide here with with this heel character? Is it too far removed? I don't know if that's so much the issue. Like, I'm actually very excited to see what she could do as as a heel. I think it offers her a lot more creative like uh, opportunity and and big a big match in in, in this Becky Lynch match. I I, I do think that she, you know after 20 years of not playing a heel, she is still like you know trying to like get back on the bike so so to speak and that takes time that takes on-air experience and it's looking like in this like one month two month cycle it's not a whole lot of time before she's being put up there to cut these like pretty long promos i think creative is also an issue you know as i kind of mentioned um have haven't exactly been given a great reason for why becky's been gone for this long so there are definitely issues it's maybe not been as strong as like you would picture in you know hearing about a becky lynch versus trish stratus feud but now that becky's back hopefully it it picks up and it gets hot enough for the 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 show itself we would assume not a champions right yeah um like just based on the angle tonight it would seem hard that they're going to hold this off beyond that uh, money in the bank seems pretty far that's you ju- know? that's july 1st is it yeah something yeah. like that yeah so. and SummerSlam seems much further than that um the thing is though like i think this is the right match to make like uh, how look at up and down the division in terms of star power you just don't have anybody near the level of a, of a church stratus so it's absolutely the right match to make but um i think creatively it could be better so we know we're getting Cody and Brock. We're getting Seth against the SmackDown tournament winner. And I mean, the Roman one is interesting because yeah, it is, it is 1000 days, but I think that is day number 1000. So it's sort of a, anyway, hmm. I mean, they, they can promote it as such, but it's like, he's, he's achieved a thousand days by the time that match takes place. Right. And is there honestly, any creative math they can, they can use with time zones and, uh, you know, all sure. That bullshit? I mean, they could just lie. <laughs> uh, they could do that too. I mean, with, with this whole thing that we got into about the whole uh, Becky Bianca. rain, I mean, yeah. the Becky rain was like, it was done on a day, but they recognize it as when it aired on television, which was right. like two weeks apart. So, I mean, they are creative with the, uh, with, with the numbers, but, um, depends I, on the role. I, I want to see Friday's SmackDown because that will determine sort of what direction Brock is going in. Because if it is a title defense, like no one jumps out at you immediately. Like the thing he has going on right now is this infighting with the bloodline. And I would say that's right. like your strongest um, thing you have going on with Roman, unless they, they shoot some big angle with Roman on Friday with a new opponent. I don't think they'll be he'll be doing a blood like a Jey Uso or or like he's not going to face any member of the bloodline at Night of Champions. It's, that that feels too quick, you know. It feels too quick um, to do I a tag that, to do a tag. But it but if if it's the one thousand day gimmick, I I think he needs to be a title defense, and I think they just need to you know get somebody up and running really quickly. Um, and it could be anybody, honestly. Um, trying to think who who would be a good opponent. Who would you put on like short notice, you know, against Roman? I mean, you could throw in Lashley. You I keep thinking about Omos. Styles. Omos. Well, then Omos shouldn't have lost on the weekend. Uh, yeah. Well, how do you justify somebody going into this World Heavyweight Championship tournament, losing, and then getting a match at Roman Reigns? You know? How do you justify people losing and getting into this tournament? Like, how do <laughs> right, Damian yeah. Priest get into this? I mean, that's <laughs> it's one part of this thing is that, like on the raw side, like this is a tournament without your tag champions. It's without Gunther. It's like, like, you know, some of your top guys are like not in this, but the Miz is. 
Yeah, yeah. So who, who just got beat by everyone? He was the laughing stock at WrestleMania this year. Well, didn't you hear John in the opening deal. video? He's like, you know, Hollywood uh, celebrity. He's been in the Marine. You know, that's enough to justify, I think, his spot. Great. I'm not a big fan of this uh, world title, as I have said many times, but I do see that finals probably closing the show to make mm. that title feel important. I think it depends on the Roman match, but sure. Yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't see Cody Brock. If the Roman match, it. if it closes it on top of it, I mean, it's just, it, it's more to the point of this world championship that like whether it's perceived as such or not, or I should say whether it's presented as the consolation prize or not, that is the stigma this will have. And my concern is what we talked about with Cody. This is one of the few guys, he's not the only guy on the roster, but one of the few that he is authentic. And when I hear this guy cutting promos about how this title means more than anything, it's bullshit to the audience. And I, he's one character I don't want to hear become like bullshit because you know what the top title is. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't want to mess with that that you have with this guy that I think sometimes it's overestimated when you have that authenticity with someone. What if he wins the title and then pulls a Shane Douglas and just drops Throws it, it in the trash can. I want that one. Well, great. That, that would be, <laughs> that would mean the end of this world heavyweight title. And I would be happy to see its demise on its first night. Hmm. Probably not happening, but uh, here we go. All right. Last piece of feedback comes to us from Jay from Colorado, who says pretty decent edition of Raw for the most part and felt like three hours went relatively fast tonight. But what a stark contrast tonight's was to last Friday and Saturday. This wasn't the worst crowd I've ever seen, but it really highlights the importance of audience participation in these events. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get too many crowds like San Juan. I mean, that is the, the highest scale. I mean, that and Montreal this year would have been your best. WWE and for what crowds. it sounded like Paris. For that Harris, right, that we yeah. didn't get access to. They really should have thrown a match from that show uh, up on online. Just one match. Just they have to be that. considering doing TV and, and pay-per-views in all these different markets now. I right? would be I would think that if if they can get the site fees site for fees, some of these, yeah. that's the key. I think they would love to go like a Paris pay-per-view would sell out instantly. The French um, World Order. Get yeah. those like, like Bellator drew huge over in Paris at the same arena WWE yeah. ran in. Like they are probably just starved for uh, um, maybe is La Resistance still, uh, you know, do they have their numbers? Can they get them set up for uh, the Rougeaus? You know, this is where the they go to chat GPT and they just say, who are the French wrestlers that we've employed? And yeah. they just get the list. Mm -hmm. So uh, there you have it. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in tonight. On Tuesday night, 10.15 Eastern, here on the Post YouTube channel, it is Braden Harrington and Davey Portman with Up Next. And then Wednesday night, we will be live right after Dynamite to chat about the Steel Cage match and everything going down in Detroit. And some great shows over the weekend. We've got, as always, your Friday Night Delight, Rewind to SmackDown. We have the UFC 288 post show from Eric Marcotte and coming out of retirement, Phil Chertok and our WWE backlash review that went up on Saturday night. And of course, WrestleNomics with a big dive into the Wembley stadium success and all of the major business stories and news going on in professional wrestling. So you can check all of that out up at postwrestling.com. and way you wanted to uh, have the floor here at the end. So I'll let you uh, close off the show. I did not. I absolutely did not. But it, now that you've given it to me, Reminder, everybody, Forbidden Poor, Sunday, June the 25th. If you're coming into town, even if you're not coming to Forbidden Door, you got to come to this event, okay? This is the reason to travel to 
Toronto, Sunday, June the 25th. Doors at 3 p.m. Eastern. Our AEW Forbidden Door pre and after party. It's going to be legendary. WH Park will be there. Rich Fan will be there. Phil Chair Talk will be there. Many more. I think our man, our man Neil Flanagan might actually be there. What? Our man Neil. You didn't know? Oh, yeah. It's going to be there. We'll be coming. That's right. It's going to be a packed night. Uh, so $30 gets you access to both the pre-show and the after party. So go to postwrestling.com slash live $30 Canadian. It's a steal. Uh, we hope to see many of you there Sunday, June the 25th. And that is it for us. Good night.